Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It is The Daily. It is Monday. It's time to kick off a new week. And there's no film for Burham and Bill to break down. So I'm on here instead. And I'm talking uh, to my good friend Burham about our favorite thing in the entire world, the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's not my favorite thing in the world. Oh, but it's not. Oh, okay. No, but I mean, it's it, everyone has different things they enjoy. Um, for example, um, uh, some people like the transfer portal and some people prefer to slowly burn in hell for all eternity. Um, <laughs> I could go either way on that. Uh, but I, I guess in this argument, I will choose the side of devil's advocate and say uh, the transfer portal is worse than burning in hell for all of eternity. Mm, okay well that makes sense especially because it's open in december and a playoff team what what exactly are they supposed to be doing when all of december is about it already have the early signing period which changed everything then changed the coaching cycle and then their ncaa was like hey you know it'd be really cool letting a thousand players put their name into the transfer portal uh on the at the start of december sounds like a great use of everybody's time it's so clear that the NCAA got tired of being told that they were feckless and toothless and worthless and stopped like decided, Hey, we're going to stop pretending that we are not those things and just lean fully into it because they've completely abdicated their entire responsibility. And, uh, you can tell, I mean, you know, we're fortunate to talk to a number of people on the inside of this stuff, uh, as far as the Ohio state, uh, coaching staff and administrators, they are just pulling their hair out right now because they're, they're, they can't possibly handle all of these things at one time while trying to prepare to win a national championship. And it's really, a, it's really amazing to me that the NCAA believed that this was the right way to handle things. Yeah. So we get a ton. We see all of your questions, both at ohiostate.rivals.com and here on the podcast about who Ohio state might pursue. What are they going to do in the transfer portal? Who, you know, how much roster upgrade can they do? Do they need to do this? Do they need to do that? This is not, going to be well we're not just going to keep bitching about the transfer portal and how stupid it is maybe some of that will do yeah because it's not really stupid it's just (laughs) the timing of this is stupid yeah and the way that this is being handled is stupid because i don't understand how when you change the transfer rules and you allow one-time transfers how can jt daniels be going to his fourth school in four (laughs) years and never have to sit out one time like no there are no rules to anything and that's where i think it just gets there's there's tampering going on left and right. There are no rules in place as far as, oh, you get a one-time free transfer, but nope, now you can do it anytime you want. It's just everything that was supposed to be is not. So that part uh, about the wide open Wild West for the transfer portal is worth discussion. And the other part is that people want to know how Ohio State is going to use the transfer portal. And you and I have been pretty consistent in our approach. But we haven't really done it on the podcast to explain why Ohio State may or most likely will not be extremely active in the transfer portal. Where should we begin in that discussion, Berm? Well, I think it's fair to understand why people look at it and say, hey, this guy is here. He was a highly ranked player. He, maybe he'd be a good fit. That That's all fine and good. But the consistency throughout the last four years for Ohio State in the transfer portal era, the, the real you know wild, wild west as we've begun it back in 2018 or so, hasn't changed. Uh, Ryan Day has been steadfast in his uh, belief and his acknowledgement that the transfer portal is going to be used at Ohio State in rare instances where it's a player that is a clear upgrade over the players that are on the roster. 
And that isn't generally the case because most of the players that Ohio State recruits are better than the players that get recruited around the country. So they don't think that a player is going to be a better fit than the guys they already recruited. And that's, you know, becomes the issue. Now, what does happen, obviously, Ohio State is going to lose players to the transfer portal. They've already had um, two players enter the portal as far as uh, this year goes, Jalen Johnson and Taraja Mitchell. Taraja Mitchell, however, is going to stay on with the team and keep practicing through the, the playoff. But we know he's not going to play in the playoff because if he plays any more snaps, he's going to waste his years a, a year's a year of eligibility and then not be Couldn't able to transfer. transfer all. <laughs> right. So like it's just a dumb rule. So um, the bottom line is, is Ohio State going to look at the transfer portal for players? Absolutely. They they are very active in evaluating every player in the portal. There are going to be five or six guys that they're going to aggressively pursue, I believe. But they also are not in a position like 127 other schools right now to be doing so with the season over. Yeah, and so there's multiple other uh, factors at play there for why Ohio State may not be uh, leaping into the portal right now. They're, what their roster and scholarship situation actually looks like is not definitively determined at this point. So when a linebacker goes into the transfer portal, for example, let's just say somebody like Desan McCullough, uh, and people rush to say, well, he was recruited by Ohio State. He was productive in the Big Ten. Surely he wants to go home uh, or back, uh, not home, but back to Ohio State, a place that he once was going to call home. Well, it's hard to for Ohio State to say they already have a previous evaluation for one, but for two, they may well have both Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers returning. Chip Trainum. I assume when they get back to spring ball next year with two seasons of eligibility left for him, that he will be back uh, on the defensive side of the football. You have CJ Hicks uh, already a, a more highly touted player than almost anybody else you could find. Uh, plus with a year of experience under his belt. So that's, that's not an actual need for Ohio state at linebacker. And I think you'll go through other positions where maybe they'll maybe by may they'll have a different perspective on tight end, but as it is right now, probably Kate Stover leaning towards returning and no other departures at tight end at this point. Well, that's probably not a place where you have to go knock on Austin Stogner's door again. Um, for me, as I'm looking at it and as Ohio State's trying to balance the rest of the month, the places where it's clear and obvious would be at cornerback and on the offensive line. But beyond that, I'm not sure how active they really need to be. No, and that, that is the problem when you're having the transfer portal get opened uh, when it is open right now because Ohio State has 85 scholarship players that are preparing for a national championship run, and these guys are not all going to be on the roster when the season is over because they will see seven or eight guys decide to head out probably, and you'll see uh, three or four or five, six guys decide to go to the NFL. So you're going to have a much greater need for Ohio State in the transfer portal next spring than you are now. And so this is where the Buckeyes find themselves in this sort of weird spot, because as you mentioned, it's not just CJ Hicks, it's Reed Carrico. Uh, it's Cody Simon. You have other guys on this roster that are still, that have put in their time. And I know that there's a, a segment of the Ohio state fan base that says, don't worry about the feelings of the guys that you're recruiting. But again, if your entire pitch as a program is developed here, 
what message are you sending to recruits and their families around the country when someone spent three years developing and then you say, okay, screw you, we're, we're going to get this guy who uh, decommitted from us a year ago and decided to go to Indiana of all places and we're going to bring him in because, hey, like I, there's some people who say, oh, don't be a scorned ex-lover type of situation, but this isn't a scorned ex-lover. This is Ohio State coaches believing if a player shows you who they are, believe them. And that that's something in life that people need to kind of pay attention to. And, and you know, you, we don't like to try to transpose f- football into real life situations, but like that is a part of life. If you have violated or broken someone's trust, you're going to get put in a position where when you come crawling back to them and say, Hey, I'd like to have a second chance. You may not have it like that. That's, that's real life. And so there are players, uh, Miles Hinton out at Stanford, an offensive lineman who uh, his brother Chris played at Michigan. He's in the transfer portal. That's a player I bet Ohio State tries to recruit because he fits the profile of what they're looking for. He And he's at a position where we know there's going to be need. Everything else other than corner and offensive line is just conjecture. And I don't even know that there's a need at cornerback. That's the other thing because Ohio State at this point, we're recording this on Sunday at 1230, has three cornerbacks committed in the class of 2023. There are going to be five scholarship players returning uh, at the position. That's eight corners. You probably don't need more. So unless something else happens inside of that current room or you lose one of your current commitments, which is entirely possible, you can read about that at OhioStateRivals.com on on Sunday. Kay and Lee potentially is a flip to Auburn. Like then you have to adjust, and that's really what is making this time frame so frustrating for the Ohio State coaches because they're having to deal with these attacks and, and these uh, decisions from 15, 16 different angles all at once, and, and it's not as black and white as, oh, this guy's in the portal. You should take him. And you mentioned, <clears throat> and not everybody, I'm not, I'm not arguing with a straw man. There are some people that feel like, and they ask us all the time, well, why isn't Ohio State more – Uh, ruthless when it comes to going in and cutthroat in the portal well it's not a sustainable approach you alluded to it where how do you continue to go tell future recruits um, and four and five stars that you should join the program and spend two three years uh, getting uh, coached playing for championships competing for championships in the hopes of getting to the nfl at ohio state and then just oops we're going to snag one guy after the other through the portal that's a disruptive force to the locker room excuse me it's bad for chemistry. And I think this notion that other programs are being more successful by bombarding the portal is not accurate. It might click one year. Ask Mel Tucker how much he values that year over year approach and how sustainable that is for his program or check on the culture of the <clears throat> Alabama locker room right now, or to take it even further to a different segment of being cutthroat the NIL dollars that were thrown around at Texas A&M, how well did that work out for their uh, record-breaking signing class a year ago? Uh, I'm not suggesting that Ohio State sits on its hands and do nothing uh, because it doesn't do that. You're talking about Justin Fields and Trey Sermon and Jonah Jackson. When they've had needs, they have gone out, they've aggressively filled them. They are not a, a roster that has 25 holes on it that must be filled by whoever just happens to put their name do a database. Yeah. And there is an important part of the Trey Sermon story, which again, I, I, we're, we're trying to approach this from arguing against, you know, the sky in a few of these situations where we've had to, you know, I'm trying to 
approach each individual argument that fans have made on ohiostate.rivals.com, on Twitter, et cetera. When you're talking about the scorned ex-lover thing, Ohio State did recruit Trey Sermon very aggressively out of high school. He chose to go to Oklahoma, and then Ohio State had no problem bringing him back in a couple years later. Same with Antoine Jackson. There's a, a difference. Same with Chip Trainum. Right. There is a difference, and it's that none of those players had committed to Ohio State and decommitted or flipped to another school. That's what we're talking about when there's a situation like Desan McCullough, for example, that it is a matter of degrees, but it is an important one in that that player never looked Ryan Day in the eye and said, I'm coming to your school, I am a Buckeye, and then changed his mind 15 minutes later. So that that's ultimately the difference. And so you can't look at the past recruiting um, efforts all in the same vein. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say about it, Berm. It's like, no, it's, it's madness. And, and and I get it. Like, again, I'm, I grew up an Ohio state fan. You see these guys, you see a guy like Tony Grimes at North Carolina, former five-star cornerback who had a great freshman season, struggled a bit this last year with injury. And now he's in the transfer portal and people are going to say, Hey, why don't go get him? The Buckeyes, I guarantee you folks. And this is the important thing. They are vetting every one of these guys. And we can go back to last January and all the talk about Elias Ricks. And that was sort of, I think, the one of these watershed moments when it comes to how Ohio State handles the, the transfer portal. They clearly had serious uh, evaluations of Elias Ricks out of high school. He was the number one ranked corner in the country. They did it again last December when he entered the transfer portal, leaving LSU. They actually intended to have him come visit. And as soon as they did a little bit more digging and a little, a little deeper dive, they said, you know what? Maybe this isn't the right fit. And it wasn't because they were upset. Uh, it wasn't because they were trying to avoid upsetting Legend Cavazos or uh, avoid upsetting Ryan Watts or anyone else on the roster. It was, this is just not the right fit for the program. And so I think that that they were validated in that. If you see Elias Ricks this season, I don't know that he made any play of impact at Alabama. And Ohio State, you know, it is it didn't help them because legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts still left. So they, <laughs> it's not like it was a decision made solely to protect the, the fragile egos of, of their current players. It's because when you're building something inside a locker room, you have to look at every potential ramification. And I get it. The people out there will say, well, Alabama has 15 guys in the transport portal. They're not going to hesitate. But as you mentioned, like, it's easy to see that there's something foul happening in Tuscaloosa right now. They don't appear to have the same um, swagger, the same sort of uh, energy going that they had three years ago when they were in a, a program built entirely on the back of recruiting and developing. And so you wonder, like, there are costs to all these things. Do you think that we should send, like, a fruit basket or uh – you know, some flowers to whoever wrote that story last year that claimed that Rick's wasn't going to be recruited by Ohio state because it was going to hurt cornerbacks feelings. Like that was really delightful. I just don't even know where that comes from. I I don't even know where that comes from because it's completely baseless. And and we do get a lot of that obviously in, in this space right now, but it had nothing to do with hurting people's feelings. All these kids, this is the other, the, the little dirty secret here. Uh, 75 guys on the roster want the best players on the ro- on in the country to play on their team. 
Like <laughs> you might find one or two guys that say, Hey, you know what? It's not good for us. It's not good for me personally. If you bring in that guy, but the other 84 guys are like, hell yeah, let's get better. <laughs> like they're, they're not. So you might lose one guy, but if you have 84 other players that are like, Hey, we now have the number one ranked corner in the country. They're going to be okay with that. So it, it's not a situation where that's even being measured. What's being measured is you, Ohio state coaching staff believes fully in their program and in the development track of their program track of their program and if you are just stepping on that because someone else became available that maybe developed better in the last year because they played more you you put yourself in just a very precarious position i could talk about this all day and i could keep saying the same thing over and over i guess yeah i know Uh, i think that there's also a very big difference between assuming that because somebody is productive uh, I feel bad that we keep talking about Desan McCullough, but he got to play a lot, so he got to put up stats for a bad team. Uh, and if you are evaluating that solely on that production for that team and, think, and thinking that that's better than what Ohio State has, that's not probably a great argument to make because Ohio State has been seeing what any of those guys, as you said, uh, you you know, Reed Carrico or Gabe Powers or Cody Simon or whoever else that's in a reserve spot at linebacker, like they have a much deeper evaluation of that on a day to day on the practice field, and it's going to be impossible on paper to outside the program to say, "Well, this guy should clearly be better." Look at what he's done at the college football level. What I mean in in, that, in real games, well, that's that's not a good way to go about it, and I think that it's you should be anybody should be careful about what they're asking for in that regard because of what you said, which is the real world expense. If you if you fall in love with that part and don't pay attention to your own evaluations and your own ability to develop players, then you're going to be constantly chasing your tail and doing exactly what Michigan State is doing, which is never actually having solid ground to build your program on. And I mean, I think anybody that wants to solely build a program through the transfer portal is never going to have a consistent winner, which, spoiler alert, Ohio State already is. Yeah, and it's something that I've mentioned, um, you know, on earlier shows of of the podcast and previous iterations of of, of our career. Like, there is going to be a decision where Ohio State fan base needs to decide what kind of program do you want. And, and football is changing. College football is changing. It is certainly going to be more of a mercenary type. Uh, you know, philosophy in a lot of ways when you deal with the NIL and transfer portal. And I know that there's a a large portion of the fan base that says, hey, I want to win at all costs. It doesn't matter. There is still a a not insignificant group of people who say, you know what, this is this is still about developing young people and still developing young men into being professionals. And um, you, you do have to measure these things. And Ohio State is one of the few programs in the country still doing that. And I don't know how long they'll be able to keep it up. You know, I mean, that, that is, that could be a, a discussion for another day because we do see the tide is changing in college football. Um, but like, I, that's why I said a few weeks ago, I think you're going to see a lot of coaches around the country who are actually interested in developing people and, and helping people become the best version of themselves. Are just going to leave the sport or move on to the NFL or, you know, hell yeah. A hundred million dollars, maybe you drop down to high school and coach there. I mean, it, like if you're doing it, depends on why you're doing this, I guess. And so there, there will be some tough des- decisions for people to make, both on the fan side and, and the personnel side, because it, this is not sustainable. 
aren't more states legalizing NIL for high school too? Like they might have. Yeah, to I mean, the, <laughs> might have to go coach middle school ball. Like, do we not understand what we're doing to people? Like, <laughs> I get it. I get. I get the argument. These kids deserve everything that you know. Your market value is whatever someone's willing to pay you. I get it. But there is a point of diminishing returns, and there is also a portion uh, of people who who are refusing to acknowledge that young people need guardrails they need guidance like that is what that's what that's how you succeed that's how you get better and when you just say here's a copious amount of dollar bills for you with <laughs> go do whatever you want a lot of poor decisions are going to get made and a lot of people are going to suffer some repercussions that they that they probably had never uh, considered Yep. Well, rather than keep uh, beating the dead horse for another 20 minutes, I think that probably would do it for the podcast daily on a Monday. Unless Berm just wants to keep doing that, in which case I'll let him. No, I think uh, it's good that we're getting a somewhat normal week ahead at Ohio State. We've got the Rooster Show on Monday. Um, we're going to be doing that a little earlier today, folks. So unfortunately, you won't be able to join us there. The restaurant will not be open when we're when we're knocking that one out due to some scheduling conflicts. And then we got a couple days of availability this week, and uh, you know you'll see some snappy jays from the Woodrow, and uh, we're, we're ready to rock and roll. I mean, it's starting to smell like uh, playoff time. Yeah, I'd love to get that emphasis back on uh, Ohio State, Georgia, the Peach Bowl, actual football, and not roster management. Although that's unavoidable because the signing day is also coming, so Burham is going to be pretty pretty busy with that. But uh, Ryan Day will be speaking on Tuesday. Players are expected for uh, sort of a a close to full um, starting lineup media day on Wednesday. So as Berm said, we'll be in there. We'll have lots of coverage of that interviews, snappy Jays, and of course the podcast daily all week long for hopefully your enjoyment uh, for Berm. <laughs> yeah, today, today, maybe not so much. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, today probably wasn't that one, but maybe we'll do better tomorrow. Uh, we'll just, we'll have Bill come back and liven it back up somehow. But well, I guess that'll be uh, some questions for Ryan day. We'll be back on a more normal schedule. So look forward to that. Uh, we will see you later on at Roosters for Burma, Austin. Uh, talk to you then.